Welcome to today's Mortcast. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about a couple of uh, proud CSG sponsors. First, uh, Carefree Cuisine, located uh, in Littleton, off of Bowles, uh, near the Indy Columbine Shopping Center. They are a new company that is dedicated to giving you allergen-free, uh, sterile kitchen, frozen meals for your convenience. And right now, uh, in a time when you can't really eat what you want, there may be some food shortages. Uh, you really, really need this. You need something that people that can co- cobble this stuff together and give it to you in an easily packaged uh, setup that goes from your freezer to uh, the microwave and to the table. They are 100% dedicated to giving you the best, high-quality, extremely tasty food um, that uh, you can give your family and all enjoy. Uh, they are uh, currently have a vegan line, uh, and they will be branching out here very soon into a low-carb, high-protein line uh, that I am very interested in myself in uh, uh, trying out here soon. So once again, they are Carefree Cuisine. Uh, they are in Littleton off of Bowles. They do have a curbside pickup, and they also have... Uh, delivery setup. So contact them at info at carefreecuisine.com for their email. And on Twitter, it is at Cuisine Carefree on Twitter. Uh, when you do, and we do reach out to them, say Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. Additionally, um, uh, a, a friend of the program and a friend, personal friend of mine, uh, Whitney Holmes, is uh, made, making masks for people. Um, right now, we need all the masks we can get, and she is making some great, high-quality uh, masks that, uh, that I have actually got from her. I, I have several, um, and she's offering this service in a time when everyone needs a mask uh, to go out. Nothing is better than getting one that has a personal touch. They are washable, and they uh, will last you a long time. They are cloth masks, and they each have neat designs. Uh, reach out, out, out to her at uh, at wit w h i t h o l m e s wit holmes that's once again at w h i t h o l m e s wit holmes on twitter and she will hook you up and when you do tell them that csg sent you what is up everybody thank you all for joining me on the latest mortcast part of the csg network i'm of course your host jeff morton um, today I, I decided that I'm going to kind of talk about a story that I don't think people, I think people know the story, but they don't know a lot of details about it and the, uh, really what happened and the collision of circumstances that led to the ascension of Nikola Jokic. Um, and people don't realize how not preordained this was for Nikola Jokic. Um, he had the odds stacked against him right from the very, very beginning of his time, uh, since he was drafted in 2014. And I'm going to start with a little story. Uh, the 2004, I think I've told this on the podcast before, but I'll reiterate it here. Um, the draft of 2014, uh, I was there, Nate Timmons was there, and... Man, I think Chris Dempsey was there. I mean, uh, it wasn't a... When it was during the, the, the depths of the Brian Shaw era, so there wasn't a ton of people there. Les Shapiro was there. This was really the first um, real draft 
that Tim Connolly was able to uh, kind of navigate by himself. Uh, people need to remember in 2013 when he was there, it was such a rushed um, operation. Um, Masai Ujiri had taken almost the entire support staff of the Nuggets front office with him. And through a series of disappointments in the GM search, uh, Josh Kroenke um, was really late in hiring Tim Connolly. Uh, he was hired shortly before that. I believe it was, he had a week um, to get um, a coach in there, which was a largely a Josh Kroenke uh, hire. Um, Brian Shaw did most of his interviewing with uh, Josh Kroenke. And uh, the draft, they had no time to prepare for the draft. Obviously, by this point, Arturis Karnasovas was brought in and a couple other people. But it really, the support staff for the draft was not filled out. And the Nuggets at that point were uh, loaded with salary, and they really couldn't bring on any more draft picks. So in 2013, they traded out of the first round. Famously, it was Rudy Gobert going to Utah at the end of the first round. And uh, then it... Kind of, they, I believe in the second round they took Joffrey Laverne. Um, so it wasn't uh, a, a draft that is memorable in any way, uh, and it really wasn't his fault. It was just the circumstances that surrounded it. Um, in 2014, it really was the first time Tim Conley and the Nuggets front office was able to put their stamp on, on the Nuggets. And that is the draft where the Nuggets, I think, had the, they had the 11th pick that year, or, 12, or something like that. Uh, 11th or 13th pick, and they ended up trading it to Chicago when getting, famously, Yusuf Nurkic and uh, Gary Harris. That was the Yusuf, the Nurkic and Harris draft. And um, Nurkic was the actually the headliner of this. Um, he was a highly touted, believe it or not, he was actually pretty highly touted. Um, this is in 2014. Draft Express really had a lot of influence on a lot of the way people perceive things. And Nurkic settled, you know, steadily rose up the, the board. Um, and the Nuggets, uh, I believe they drafted Doug McDermott for Chicago. Um, so that's kind of how they worked that out. Where they had um, kind of, that's how people, I, I really hate the way the NBA does these, these drafts. Because it, it gives a, much like in 2017 with the Donovan, Donovan Mitchell pick, it gives people the wrong impression, like you weren't specifically drafting it for another team. That's the way the NBA has always done it, and it's just the way they have their league year set up. It's just it's the way they have to do things. It's just frustrating because it gives the wrong impression. Um, and this was a, a, a time when the impression was really good. So the headliners were right there. Well, famously, there was a burrito being pulled <laughs> from Taco Bell commercial happening as uh, Nikola Jokic's uh, pick was announced. Uh, this I did not know. It was Nate and I at Pepsi Center, and we were distracted, as I recall. This was six years ago, so if my memory isn't perfect on this, uh, you can't blame me. Um, it was was not necessarily the most... Um, uh, no one was really paying too much attention to the second round. I'll just put it to you that way. So we get to the annual post-draft press conference, and Tim Connolly comes out and he starts talking about Yusuf Nurkic, how excited he was to, to be there. And uh, then they're talking about Gary Harris and uh, you know the promise that he had for Michigan State. 
and uh, he gets and this is this happened after the press conference was done. Tim Connolly gets up, straightens his suit, and says, "None of you guys are going to ask about Nikola Jokic." And we all kind of laughed, and he was serious. He says, "Nothing." So I walked up to uh, the uh, the table where they said they kind of put the, the the table where they do the presser on like a little slightly elevated podium and. Uh, have the mic set up, and he was, he was like, so, you know, you know my relationship with Tim, I, I walked over there, and I said, like, what do you think, he says, like, uh, Jokic could be great, man, Jokic could be great, but, you know, he's going to take some work, and he's over there with the uh, Megalex, and, uh, and stuff like that, I knew nothing about Nikola Jokic, nothing, <laughs> uh, I am not a draft nick, there, I mean, it's, it's, just to put this in perspective, uh, I was really gung-ho for the Nuggets to get Mario Hizonia, in 2015, um, and that was me studying it, and I got that so wrong. Um, it was almost the 1998 Nuggets draft. <laughs> you know, it was almost Rafe LaFrance bad. Um, but the Nuggets, um, so I, that kind of put a bug in my head uh, about, in my mind, I should say, about Nikola Jokic. Uh, obviously, it wasn't a situation that was going to be forthcoming. Fast forward to mid-year 2014. Yusuf Nurkic finally gets some opportunity to really put his stamp on the game, and he starts impressing uh, big time. Um, I think people with the benefit, with the, the, the years kind of cloud our perception of things, and Yusuf Nurkic is rookie season was, we forget how good he was going, um, and which spurred on the trade of Timofey Mozgov, which uh, happened in the presence of, uh, we didn't, we weren't privy to the details, but uh, it was kind of going down as Nate and I were about to record a podcast with Tim Connolly. So the Nuggets um, kind of spur them on to trade Timo. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic was really... Um, to, to put it in perspective, um, I think people, because of his departure, kind of underestimate how good Yusuf Nurkic was. Uh, he was very big, could be dominant, and was a very good passer. Um, and uh, everyone remembers him putting the ball on DeMarcus Cousins and all that stuff, the cocky stuff that, you know, Nurkic does. But they don't, they forget how, just how dominating he was starting to be. I mean, uh, Brian Shaw was in heaven. He was in absolute heaven. And that was the trade deadline where the Nuggets got back, I believe, Aaron Brooks and Jan Vesely. I believe, uh, if I remember correctly. Man, Jan Vesely. Anyway, uh, the Nuggets uh, go through that year, and they end up kind of going all in with the new use of Nurkic, but not really. Um, it wasn't necessarily in a way that you would say kind of like, the off-season of 2017 when the Nuggets moved away from Danilo Gallinari's team and put it all in Jokic's hand. This was more subtle, but it was heading that direction. Uh, Jokic was getting a bunch of national press. Uh, excuse me, Nurkic was getting a whole bunch of national press. And uh, it was becoming very clear that the Nuggets could potentially have a guy here. Um, Brian Shaw gets fired in March of... Uh, 2015, and it was, 
slightly before that, in fact, the day before, um, sometimes they will do, you know, they will have dinners, uh, the Nuggets will have dinners with the, the press, and uh, they've moved it to the off season. but at that time, they were doing it during the season. It had been a difficult stretch. The Nuggets team was terrible, despite the promise of uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Um, Danilo Gallinari was going great. Uh, he was starting to find his stride again, but the team was not good. Uh, a lot of pieces were going to be needed to be moved. And uh, the Nuggets really were kind of at a uh, crossroads, a big-time crossroads. That crossroads wasn't in Brian Shaw's first season. It really came by the trade deadline and a little after in his second season, the 14-15 season. It really, that's where the rubber met the road. Things weren't going well. Um, and Brian Shaw was losing losing a lot of grip, largely due to the assistant coaches that he had, uh, aside from Melvin Hunt. They just didn't, re- they didn't, the, the players weren't responding to his, uh, their assistant coaches, particularly one. So uh, we're having this meal. It's just a friendly meal um, with a bunch of people in the media and Tim Connolly and a couple others. And um, during the meal, now, this is something that uh, Tim Connolly will do. Um, he'll just ask us questions, you know, because, you know, we're all friendly here. Kind of what he does on the podcast and uh, when he's on CSG. And uh, he asks me, he says, have you had a chance to look at Nikola Jokic? And I said, i got to be honest with you, Tim, I had not. And this was true. I did not. I, I, I was last to this. Sitting right, sitting right across from me, uh, Nate Timmons says, I have. And he whips out his phone. And pulls up a very grainy for 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 the for the like the twenty teens, it was surprisingly low quality video of a pink uniformed Nikola Jokic um, playing with Megalex, and uh, he was, you know, his chubby baby fat chubby uh, Nikola Jokic thing. He was shooting some threes, but he was actually pretty impressive. And I'm like, I, I, I blurted out to Connolly. I was like, oh, wow, uh, that, <laughs> that guy's skilled. And I was like, kind of even more of a bug was in my head uh, about Nikola Jokic. But it wasn't based on anything but a hunch. And anyone who claims that they could extrapolate Nikola Jokic from those Megalex videos is fooling themselves. Aside from the people who scouted him, with the people like Raffle Juke and the people, you know, some people were really plugged in at Draft Express and all that stuff, but really, no one knew. Um, this was not something that could be projected. Um, so we fast forward. Brian Shaw gets fired like soon after we have that uh, meeting, and it, it's just a coincidence of timing of when that was. And uh, the Nuggets' trajectory changes. Yusuf Nurkic gets injured. And he either got injured slightly before or slightly after um, Shaw was fired. But I think it was like shortly before. And they didn't know what it was. So he continued to play on it. Uh, And it kept getting worse. And it was one of those things where he was partially to blame because he really didn't tell anyone. But with Nurkic, he was always kind of being a bit dramatic. 
But at this case in 2015, Jokic, excuse me, Nurkic is, you could tell he was struggling to play. A couple games in, finally he just suddenly not in the lineup. Turns out that he had a partially torn patella. They immediately do surgery. He misses the rest of his rookie year. Um, the Nuggets had to make a decision in the offseason of 2015. Do they continue down the Nurkic road, or do they bring Nikola Jokic in? The 2015 offseason was, uh, as people know, big time of change. Uh, the Nuggets drafted Emmanuel Moutier. They, um, I think they kind of... They kind of decided at that point, well, we might as we have nothing to lose, kind of thing. And Ty Lawson got in trouble <clears throat> on draft night for that reasons that we have gone into on this podcast. And um, it was just not good. They ended up having to basically dump um, Ty Lawson. I remember, never forget it. It happened on my birthday. <laughs> I was at a pool party um, getting trashed, and it happened on my birthday, and I had to write something, so that was fun. Um, and it was just a, it was a trade that it was a trade that needed to happen because Ty's t- time in Denver was long since overdue to be done. Lawson's gone, Moutier's back in, Gallo's still here, but here is Nikola Jokic. One of the reasons Nikola Jokic got the playing time and opportunity that he did was almost entirely, well, I would say not one of the reasons, the only reason Nikola, uh, Nikola Jokic got this time was because Yusuf Nurkic was still rehabbing his injury when he was coming back. Um, Patellas aren't the uh, death sentence that they were, say, like when Antonio McDice tore his patella in 2001. Um, this was, this is a... Excuse me, 2000, yeah, 2001. Um, This is a different scenario. This is a different um, era. Uh, You can come back from patellar injuries, and this was only a partial tear. Now, your Nurkic kind of takes a little time coming back. Meanwhile, Nikola Jokic is doing good, but you don't yet see what he became. And if you remember that season, the 15-16 season, Nikola Jokic was really a, uh, he was just basically a uh, not fully formed evolution of what we've seen, right? And the only reason, let me stress again, the only reason he was getting playing time is because Yurk Nurkic was injured. Nurkic comes back, he, he starts... Um, Malone really was struggling with how to approach and coach this team. Um, and the rest of that year was the Nuggets, I think, won 33 games that year. And it wasn't, it was a slight improvement on the previous season, slight. Um, Nurkic, uh, and Jokic ended up by the end of that year playing in, in tandem, uh, I wrote an article on it about how maybe this could work uh, because Malone, by the time Nurkic was healthy, was really struggling with how to play them. Um, and Nurkic wasn't making things easy by any stretch by kind of being a bit whiny. And 
it just was a delicate situation. Nurkic um, was still a good player, but Malone is not running a triangle offense. Uh, he's not running everything through uh, a pinch post. Um, he kind of, they Nuggets still to this day sprinkle in triangle plays. But they, you know, they're not uh, uh, not the fundamental core of the offense like Shaw was trying to do in his time with Denver, and it just wasn't <clears throat> wasn't working. So we get to the 2016-17 off season. Uh, it was a season of great change for the Nuggets. The Nuggets brought in Chris Finch to uh, uh, after. Uh, after uh, their previous offensive coach left, and uh, he kind of started to revitalize the offense. One of the big problems was at the end of the year, they had some good moments with the two centers in tandem, kind of like Duncan and Robinson, but it really wasn't that great. Um, it was kind of in a league that is increasingly perimeter-oriented. You just It's hard to have two centers. <laughs> It really is. And Jokic was a little bit sidelined, and he can't cover stretch fours like that. It was just not a good situation for him, and Nurkic was unhappy. Um, fast forward to the offseason, 2016. Uh, Nuggets revamp their offense a bit. But they go into the regular season of 16-17 in a um, kind of a different kind of Mind frame. They they started both of them, uh, Nurkic and Jokic, and Jokic, but it um, just wasn't working. Their offense was terrible. Um, Gallo was shooting at it. And I don't know if people remember this, but Gallo's last season in Denver, his efficiency went through the roof. Just went through the roof. He was just playing at an efficiency I don't think I've ever seen him playing. It's because after his injuries, he became a perimeter player, and. Due to all of this, they were in a struggle bus big, big time. And it wasn't necessarily because they weren't running everything through Jokic. It was because it was trying to have your cake and eat it too, and it just wasn't working. It's hard to have two extremely talented centers on your roster. And as everyone knows, um, it was at this point Nurkic's unhappiness that was really boiling over. He complained a lot that Michael Malone did not communicate with him about what they were going to do. Uh, I can tell you, as someone who covered practice a lot during that time and was around, this is a common and very vocal complaint that Nurkic had with Malone, that he wasn't very wasn't communicating what he wanted. He wasn't communicating that. Now, that could be something that is completely in Nurkic's brain, but that is something that was just in the, what Nurkic was vocalizing constantly. And I got that, uh, I had it on a CSG video uh, back in the day, and I, I don't uh, have that channel anymore, and I wish I still had that video because I would I'd link it with this on Twitter. Um, he was very upset. Um, about midway through November, uh, Nikola Jokic says, look, I'll just come off the bench. He sacrificed himself for the betterment of the team function. The problem was the Nuggets were becoming increasingly a team that needed to function 
not necessarily in the Nurkic way, but in the Jokic way. And they kind of were coming to this discovery in the season, right? We need to come back and remember exactly how things were going. Um, this wasn't a situation where it was... Uh, it, it was may have been, quote, obvious to people who were analyzing the team, and I don't think if people look back on it now, it was. But the Nuggets have had just become organically a team that thrived uh, with Jokic's way of playing. Um, Jokic was still struggling defensively, and uh, that's always going to be a problem with him. But it wasn't something that was... Uh, it wasn't something that was going to be resolving itself with any sort of happy ending, and it certainly did not. Uh, Nurkic uh, wasn't playing well. He was not getting in much minutes. Um, he, his efficiency was terrible. Uh, every game opened up with a Nurkic uh, post-up, and it just wasn't playing to his strengths. How Portland uses him with Dame, Dame is 100% the way use of Nurkic needs to be used. And he's absolutely great at it. Nagging injuries start creeping up with Nurkic. His unhappiness increases. Then one day, Michael Malone, December 15th, um, the day that uh, people who signed uh, contracts in the offseason can be traded, um, <laughs> famously, um, then they, he decides that Nikola Jokic would be the starting center and move Yusuf Nurkic to the bench. This was a sea change that needed to happen, but it was also something that probably could have been and should have been communicated better by Michael Malone at the time, um, which com- kind of contributed to the ill feeling that was coming from Yusuf Nurkic. During this whole time, you, nurse, there's a lot of stuff that was going on and that I can't get into on this podcast, but Nurkic at this same time was just, he was so unhappy. He was so unhappy. Um, he wasn't necessarily, quote, outplayed, but his injury, his rookie year, really is the, the genesis momentum of what began the rise of Nikola Jokic. And you could tell, uh, Yusuf Nurkic would tell you that if he didn't get injured, history would look different. He would say that in his own way, but that's what he would say. And there's probably a lot of truth to that. If he didn't get injured at the end of his rookie season, who knows what the Nuggets end up doing. So Nurkic acts out. Famously, he uh, leaves a game at halftime. And uh, it was a bad situation. He was getting worse and worse and worse to deal with. And the Nuggets were, by that point, left with no choice than to trade Yusuf Nurkic. Now, on one sense, I'm like, dude, get over it. This is the NBA. You have a contract. Yeah, they put you on the bench. But look, you're still getting paid. Just nut up. On the other hand, this guy was the future. He was the future, and we in the media, I'm speaking to myself specifically, and people around, really did our part to pump up Yusuf Nurkic's rookie year. Because let's face it, there was nothing else to cheer about that year. And he did a great job. 
And coming into that offseason, no one could have even fathomed that Nikola Jokic, he of the pink uniforms and grainy film, would come in and do what he did. That being said, it happened. So Yusuf Nurkic gets traded for... Uh, uh, who did he get traded for? Um, actually, I don't remember. He gets traded to Portland and has a great run in Portland, which leads up to the Blazers essentially knocking the Nuggets out of the playoffs when the Nuggets played them in Portland. And then Nurkic said, you know, hope they have a great summer, blah, blah, blah. And there was a, it was about three games before the, the uh, thing ended. It was during that time that you, I think if people take a step back here and people really look at Nurkic outside of the bubble of what happened here and how he left the city of Denver, I think people will understand how damn good he is. And his injuries, kind of like Danilo Gallinari, are the things that are holding him back. Um, his, the way he got out of Denver was not great. It's not something that I would do. The way he uh, handled himself in the 16-17 season was not great. Um, <clears throat> but he got himself out, extracted himself out, and got himself into a better situation. One that emphasized his skills and, you know, led to him knocking the Nuggets out of the playoffs. Which was a bitter pill for a lot of people to swallow. Me included. Because I knew what was going on with Nurkic. And it was really hard to watch that. It was really hard to watch that. But at the same time... This was one of those situations where it worked out, quote-unquote, for both teams. Obviously, Nurkic has never got into play this year because he was injured again. But if you look at Nurkic before uh, he got injured late last year for the Blazers, he was having a great year. He is legitimately a good player. And this is kind of... If this was 1990, or if it was 1985, or if it was 1997, when Tim Duncan was drafted, the Nuggets would have found a way to use both of them. The NBA has changed, and you can't have two centers. You just cannot have two centers, and quite frankly, it doesn't allow for two, two, two starting caliber centers. It just doesn't. Um, it is... You could argue Embiid and Horford last year, but even that was kind of sketch. Because, you know, and, and Horford really is the body of a power forward, so he could, you know, do that. Um, in reality, unless you've got a guy who's going to go out and shoot in threes, be a stretch four, you're just not going to succeed in today's NBA. You're just not. And the Nuggets did what they could with both of them understanding that it couldn't work. And I think in the long run, Nurkic was, got himself into a better situation. The Nuggets knew that they, they had to build around Nikola Jokic. But for, to Nikola Jokic's credit, an eternal, eternal credit, no one knew how good he could become. Then don't let anyone in the media tell you different. 
No one. And they would be lying. Because this was a complete surprise to everyone how good he was. We all suspected he was skilled, but we did not realize that he was a point guard in a giant seven-foot tubby body. No, No one knew this. They knew he was skilled. And if you looked at the grainy film that we looked at with, uh, and I call it film, but the grainy video we saw with him playing with Megalex, what can you say? That guy is not the same guy who's playing for the Nuggets. So you had to really have some magical thinking in order to understand this. And when he came into the league, even his rookie year, he had some great passes. Great pass. That one against Portland that kind of curved and went to, to Fareed at home. It was just amazing. It's absolutely amazing. No one knew. But no one really knew that this Jokic was coming. But it was made a lot easier by Yusuf Nurkic getting injured and then having subsequently a really bad attitude. Now, some people have asked me if uh, Yusuf Nurkic had a um, better attitude, what would have happened? Honestly, I do not know. I think that uh, he could have, he could have stuck it out, but there is no, no way, no way, that you can have two centers that good on the same roster. It was that the end was coming, and I think that is where we all need to look at this and say, the Nuggets did their absolute best with what the what they could do. And made the best of it for both guys. But it was not preordained. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. I'll be talking to you guys later.